touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? This is your host, Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. This is the Thursday edition of Locked On Rams. I'm excited. We have a guest today. Eddie Schwartner from Football Talk Daily will be joining us. We're going to talk a few things anywhere from the draft to upcoming prospects to free agency, what to do with Sammy Watkins, where we can save money. Uh, It was a really good conversation. I appreciate it. Guys, make sure to go give him a follow. You can find him and his crew at Football Talk Daily. They're on Twitter. If you check the link, I have tagged them in this post. So excited for this conversation. So without further ado, here's my chat with Eddie from Football Talk Daily. All right, Rams Nation, I'm excited. We have Eddie from Football Talk Daily joining us. Eddie, thank you so much. Welcome. How are you doing today, bud? Good, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. You're calling all the way in from the East Coast out there in Ohio. That's correct, right? Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. Awesome, man. Well, hopefully, I know you said earlier off air that you are a Browns fan. Hopefully, seeing these Rams go from four uh, wins the previous year to hosting a game at home, that gives you guys a little bit of hope. You guys got lots of draft picks and uh, tons and tons of money. Uh, We'll get down the road there, talk about that a little bit. We're here to talk some Rams. Uh, One of the names that may be on the move is Tremaine Johnson. I want to kind of, you know, have your thoughts on that a little bit later. Uh, But you guys put up on uh, your website, which is footballtalkdaily365.com, and you guys put together an ideal offseason for the Rams. First, before we get into this, where else can uh, Rams Nation find some of the uh, content that you guys are producing? Yeah, if uh, any of you guys listening are interested in, you know, the NFL and even into college once the season starts again, you guys can hit us up on Twitter at FTD365 and on Instagram at the same handle, FTD365. Uh, we usually uh, put out, you know, two or three podcasts a week um, just talking about the news and, you know, mostly draft stuff and combine related now. But yeah, you guys can find us there. I'm sure uh, we'll be on your timeline somewhere. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll re- re- retweet and all the Ram stuff that you guys put up. And, and like I said, I saw that uh, article you guys put up about the ideal offseason. Obviously, one of the things that no one really saw coming was us going to get Marcus Peters uh, in that trade there. Uh, you guys had mentioned Malcolm Butler as being a potential uh, free agent signing. Uh, how do you think this shakes up what the Rams are going to do at cornerback? Um, thoughts on Tremaine Johnson and, and you know just the deal in general? Yeah, so I think I'm going to start off uh, just, you know, evaluating the trade. I think the Rams really hit a home run with this one. I mean, only giving up a fourth this year and a second next year for arguably a top five corner in the NFL. Obviously, there's a couple, you know, red flags um, based on his personality or in the locker room. But uh, for a championship uh, caliber team like the Rams, getting a top five cornerback to replace Tremaine Johnson is just a great, great pickup. Obviously since they made this trade, I really don't think they're going to bring him back at the type of money he's going to want. I see him, you know, getting one of the highest, if not the highest uh, free agent cornerback deals this year. He's on the older side. He is 28 right now. So um, I think it's a really good trade for the Rams getting younger and also better at the cornerback position. And as far as, uh, you know, the draft or free agency is concerned, um, I think Obviously, it gives the Rams a little bit of time to wait on corner because before this trade happened, 
we were thinking about, you know, putting a cornerback in round one, but now I think you've, you know, really got a cutter with uh, Coleman and you have Marcus Peters, obviously. So, I mean, I think they're pretty set at corner. You just have to fill in the uh, depth part. Yeah, definitely. And and NRC is one of those guys that we really want to bring back. He actually is someone we're going to have to pay for. He's a free agent this year. Um, and that was kind of my question. And as you kind of mentioned it, you talked about, you know, going into this pre-trade that, you know, looking at the draft, it looked like the Rams were going to have to target that cornerback position near the top with that first pick. We're not sure if we're going to actually keep that first pick or we're going to move that. Um, less need seems to be in this wheeling and dealing, especially around draft time or the past few years. But um, is that something you think maybe is still there's good value at that position? We're at number 23. Or is there another position on the team that you think, you know, that 23rd pick, if we still keep it, um, you know, maybe go offensive line to kind of add some depth? Or, or what do you really think for that 23rd pick uh, Rams fans should expect? Yeah, see, I think at the 23rd pick, uh, obviously, if you're going to still want a corner, I would say I think Denzel Board's going to get picked before that. And I even think Josh Jackson will probably get picked before that as long as he tests. They both test really well. Um, I think you're looking at a corner of maybe like Jair Alexander out of Louisville or maybe Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado. Those are two really good man up corners who, you know, they do get beat at times, but they play with enough energy and they have that short memory that corners need to really develop into a good player. But I really don't think I would go with corner after the Marcus Peters trade. I think I would look at, as you said, offensive line or pass rusher. Now, a couple of pass rushers that I think would really go well in the 3-4 scheme that Wade uh, Phillips employed last year, because, you know, the Browns have uh, Greg Williams now, so we get to see him yeah. every week. Right. Um, yeah, so I think, um, you know, maybe a replacement for Connor Barwin as the outside rushbacker. Um, maybe someone like Harold Landry if he's there, or maybe a Sam Hubbard too. Uh, Harold Landry from Boston College, he's like an outside backer slash edge, you know, one of the three, four prototypical uh, edge rushers. Right. Um, so he had a really, really good junior year and he was really hyped up to be like a top five, top 10 pick. But his senior year, he had an ankle injury and he didn't really produce as much as he did uh, the year prior. So I think he's going to last till 23 and I think he could be a really, really good, uh, you know, upgrade to uh, Connor Barwin. Also, if you're looking at defensive ends or edge rushers, you could look to a Sam Hubbard, who's kind of in the same mold, but a little bit thicker, and he can play the run a little bit better. Uh, he was taught by Larry Johnson, and he has really good uh, technique with his hands. Or if you want to get you know, one of the three, four DN uh, looks, maybe you can switch out Ethan Westbrooks with uh, Marcus Davenport. Now, he's huge, and I... I really don't think he might last till 23. I think he probably goes top 20, but he's from uh, UTSA. He had a really good senior bowl. Uh, he's like 6'7", 280. He's like, if you're building a Madden rush end, that's the body type you go with. Um, he's he's very athletic. Um, he had really good production this year. So look out for Davenport, Hubbard, or Harold Landry as a rush end type pick at 23. Now you also nice. said, yeah, you also said offensive line. Um, right. You could like, I would think maybe a tackle because you know Whitworth is. I think it might be either his last year or he may have two years at most. 
Right. Um, Whitworth and Soli both are, you know, mm-hmm. are produced great last year, but Sullivan had a little bit of injuries and right. Whitworth, you're right. I mean, age is getting up there. The man's been a beast, but yeah. how much longer, right? Yeah, I remember him on the Bengals. He always uh he always kept the uh, edge pretty clean against the Browns, but then again, you know, they didn't really have any pass rushers. <laughs> right. Um yeah, so I could see them going with a center, even guard maybe or just a backup tackle. So maybe at tackle, I think Orlando Brown would still be there. Now he's not one of my favorite you know, uh, offensive line prospects. He's from Oklahoma. He's like six eight, three sixty. The fear with me with him is I don't know if he can move. You know, like he's just a mammoth of a man, but I don't know if he can move with the speed rushers in the NFL. Or you know, at tackle, maybe Connor Williams is still there. Uh, there's a lot of questions regarding uh, his arm length, so that'll be a big measurement at the combine. A lot of people say that he has uh, arms that usually would go with a guard Um, right yeah so if well the offensive line position is going to be careful and as for rams nation out there i think everyone's a little nervous when we're we're having first round picks on offensive tackles obviously greg robinson was Mm -hmm. you know probably one of the bigger flops in you know rams history and you know we shipped him away thank god and i think he went to the lions for a little bit and then i don't even know if he got picked up after that but uh, so that that is a, a, a tough area. But, you know, when you, you mentioned some of those guys, uh, you know, hopefully we find something there less need. And as I mentioned before, you know, I'm kind of curious what he's going to do overall. And as you see some of those players that maybe have some value in that second round, mm-hmm. um, you know, that may have dropped from first round talent that he might try to, you know, kind of combo a few things up and move down. But I did like, you know, as you were kind of talking about a few of those D end or run stop type of guys because one of the big uh, things that the Rams went through that was one of their struggles was they gave up a lot against the run. So it's something that I know that they're going to come into this season and trying to, um, you know, tighten up whether that's through free agency, the draft, you know, we've got the right coach in place. We've got Aaron Donald in place. Uh, It sounds like we've, we're, you know, uh, solidifying that cornerback position. We're just a few pieces away and and kind of moving here on, on some of the pieces we do have, we had a lot of free agents this off season and, and, you know, we'll continue to until we start to sign some of them, but there's a few names um, out there that, you know, have been kind of thrown around as far as saving some dollars, you know, who, who do you see on the Rams roster that may be a free agent right now, or may be on the roster that, you know, we could cut to save some dollars to maybe make some moves for some of these other guys. Right. So, I mean, surprisingly, to me at least, the Rams have a lot more cap space than I originally thought, but that is also not equating to the new deal that uh, Aaron Donald is going to get. I mean, he's right. probably going to be paid like a quarterback, so that's going to take up a big chunk of change in the uh, cap room. And also, I mean, if Marcus Peters does well, you got to save a good amount of a good amount of cap for him too in a year. So, yeah, we're kind of just delaying paying the quarterback cornerback right. position because Tremaine's looking for that payday, and we're basically saying, hey, "Listen, we we went and got this guy who's still on his rookie contract, who's performing, you know, to be honest, with numbers better than Tremaine Johnson." So, but you're right, you know, it kind of goes back to that Sammy Watkins debate, which a lot of people are talking out here. Mm-hmm. Why do we give up a second round pick if we're not going to go and try to keep him here in LA more than a year? I think that same um, idea goes into Marcus Peters, depending on how you know, it plays out with Sammy Watkins, are they going to have the same type of, you know, idea or scheme behind it? Or are they really just looking to kind of fill a role right now till they can maybe draft a guy and he fills that role. But with Peters, I feel like we're going for that long-term play. Um, I think next year his contract's going to 
bump up if we pick up that fifth year options like nine mil, which is still, I feel like a steal of a deal for that guy. Um, and I do expect them to try to extend them, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do with that and how they play that off of, of what they currently, um, have, but go on. Sorry. I kind of jumped in. No, there. You're fine. Um, there's like one main guy that I would consider cutting and you don't get a lot of money for it, but it might just rid you of a headache. And that's uh Tavon Austin. If you cut him, you really only uh, save about $3 million because of the dead money. And dead money is basically players have a salary that's against the cap, and they also have a guaranteed number that's you know a little bit lower than the cap number. So you subtract the cap number from the guaranteed number, and that's how much money you save. And in Tavon Austin's case, uh, you save about $3 million. So yes, it's not like a huge chunk of change, but... I don't think he's really worth the $11 million investment that he just got with his contract. Yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I think if you save, you know, 50 bucks, <laughs> it sounds like a great deal to cut Tavon. And, and, you know, I got probably a lot of Rams Nation behind me, maybe shaking their head, but most of them are agreeing with me. Uh, Tavon's been a fun player to watch uh, early in his career, but especially in this transition when everyone seemed to excel in this transi- transition with McVeigh. Uh, Tavon was one of those guys that just didn't, um, we couldn't really, it was, it was hard for us to find, you know, a place for him to fit in, even in the Jeff Fisher days, uh, which kind of, I think shocked a lot of people when, you know, on hard knocks, when they gave him that big contract that, you know, we're now talking about, but, um, they must've had some inside, inside deal that Jeff Fisher was like, dude, I know I'm going to go, you're my guy here. I'm going to take <laughs> care of you before I get out of here. But, um, he just didn't produce, and, and you really figured, you know, if this offensive mind of Sean McVay can get so many other people involved and get, you know, a rookie like Cooper Cup to have as many as receptions and yards as he did, um, and then even, you know, use, utilizing Sammy Watkins. He didn't have, you know, that crazy number as far as catches or yards, but he used him in the right places to be a decoy or to to really use that slant inside the 10-yard line to get eight touchdowns out of out of him. So um, we even used him at the running back. So he had every chance to really find a way to earn his roster spot next year. I agree with you for $3 million. It sounds like extra money in our pocket to go get some of these other guys. Um, and I'm just kind of reading off this article you guys have put together. A couple of the names um, you had said was Mike Thomas and Tamaric Hemingway. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. I mean, Thomas was because of just, I can't really trust anyone who has, you know, gotten suspended and that's coming from a Browns fan with Josh Gordon. So, I mean, I still don't <laughs> right, trust the guy. Right. He's like, in my mind, I think he's going to get suspended again, but moving on, uh, Thomas, I don't know. You already have a really good, uh, r- rookie production from Cooper cup. Farrell Cooper actually had a, you know, pretty decent year this year. And Josh Reynolds actually showed some signs. So I think he's, I think Mike Thomas is someone, if you can save about six, $700,000 with him, uh, I think you just do it just to have a little bit more flexibility than you would have. And Tamaric Henningway, I think he's probably like, you know, the fourth tight end on the roster. So you have Higby, you have Carrier, you have Everett. I mean, Everett played really well as a rookie, I thought. You just save mm-hmm. about six hundred grand from uh, Tamaric Henningway, and I think you don't look back from there, honestly. Yeah, it's a bummer for Hemingway because when he came in and, and Rams Nation and me and my co-host James were really excited about him because of, you know, his playmaking ability that he kind he almost we felt like he was going to be what Everett ended up being this year. And Everett, I felt like kind of peaked early and then just kind of disappeared on the roster 
um, as far as production goes. But you can see the talent there with Everett. And obviously, you put up the high pick. I think he was a second rounder for us. Um, and so Hemingway, I feel bad because he, he you know, had the big injury uh, and really didn't get a chance all this last year. So we had his rookie year with Jeff Fisher, who that offense was going nowhere. And he was even deeper down on that roster at that point, you know, as far as tight end goes. So I feel you. I mean, there's money to be saved there. I don't know where he fits in. They brought in Carrier, who, you know, ended up, you know, playing pretty well for us. Higby obviously seems to be kind of the the leader there. I think Everett will overtake him as being the number one. Um, But it's definitely those guys one, two. And I think he's going to have to fight out, you know, Carrier to really fit. But again, you, you go back to this thing. This was a Jeff Fisher guy. He was drafted by Fisher. Um, you know, McVeigh really has no ties to him. He worked with McVeigh worked with Carrier over in Washington, and he brought him in. So uh, you, you're right. He may just be the odd man out there. Uh, but I still think, hopefully, if he recovers, someone else is going to get a player that can do some things. But I just don't know. I'm with you. I don't know if it's here in LA. Um, but I guess time will tell there. Uh, what are your thoughts as we kind of keep moving down here and we're kind of picking everyone's brain and, and me and James, my co-host, have talked quite a bit about Sammy Watkins and what to do there. What are your thoughts looking at this, you know, as you've kind of looked at it from, you know, perspective of money and what's in the draft and what we currently have on our roster, you know, from an outsider, wh- what do you do with Sammy Watkins? Yeah. So Sammy Watkins is obviously a really interesting uh piece i mean the rams could opt to franchise tag him or you know try to sign him to a long-term deal or they can let him go and have him feel out the market and maybe try to match whatever he gets out there but you know as me and the my partner that i wrote this with argued about he really really likes sammy Watkins. i think that um he hasn't produced as a number four overall pick yet and you know it could change obviously in sean mcveigh's offense because he's a mastermind out there but personally, if it was me, I would try to tag LaMarcus Joyner instead of tagging Watkins because I think Joyner uh, is a much more important piece to the team, I think, than Sammy Watkins. Yes, Sammy Watkins had the eight touchdowns, and I'm sure Sean McVay can really scheme up some really good plays for him. I think Joyner is more important to the team, especially bringing in a new cornerback uh, in Peters and having just like a little bit of stability in the back at safety could really, really help the team. But, and I would let Sammy Watkins test the market. I mean, that's how I feel. What What do you think? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm with you on these two guys. I think LaMarcus Joyner is one of our biggest off season needs as far as keeping around. He's so young. He is so versatile. I mean, he played the cornerback position. He played uh, in nickel. He played in safety. He's a big hitter. He's a ball hawker. Uh, he just has that attitude I think is going to go really well with Marcus Peters about they're just going to go get the ball and they're going to tear your head off if they don't get it. And you're right, having that stability at the safety position uh, for some of the newcomers is going to be huge. And he's just really found his home being moved to the safety and working uh, with Wade Phillips. It's just He's just flourished. And so with his age and, and what he's doing out here, I just think he's he's a must sign. And if that's franchise tag, I think that's the direction I would go at least to mm-hmm. – to make sure he's not going anywhere. I would love to work something out with Sammy because the the thing is, is you look at him and you can debate the numbers and debate if he was, you know, worth the four pick, you know, if he's lived up to that production. Um, He definitely turned around and and produced out here with the touchdowns. Uh, You know, you always hear the other things that they're doing, the blocking that he was doing downfield. There's, there's tons of Todd Gurley runs that you can find Sammy Watkins on the edge, finishing a block to, 
you know, free and, and spring that run. So he's doing those little things that I know Sean McVay loves. He seems to have bought in. There was one of my quotes uh, that he had put out earlier in the year that basically said when he was over in Buffalo, he was all about his own stats, trying to figure out how he could get better. And he really talked about buying into being a better blocker. And he saw other people sacrifice and it made him want to kind of join in. So I felt like he's just understanding that concept of the we, not me, which we talk about a lot here in LA as McVeigh kind of coined that as the phrase last year. But so I want to see year two with him. And then the other thing that I have is if we take away Sammy Watkins, we had a good core, but that was because we had that that number one guy that could kind of take the roof off of the defense. Even if we weren't throwing to him, he was taking it off and really opening that up. So is Robert Woods a number one? Can Cooper Cup fill that role at some point? I mean, who really goes there? And you're going to have to replace him most likely and try to go and spend that money or try to get somebody else to come out. I just don't know who that guy is. You know, I mean, they there were talks way early that, you know, Landry would be an option, but obviously he's getting franchise tagged, so I don't see that happening. Um, but you're going to need somebody to fill that number one role. Obviously, we right, both right. Just agreed earlier it's not Tavon Austin, right? So I don't know kind of what position that puts us in. I don't want to see us, you know, give him – some crazy, you know, where he's getting 15 mil a year or anything like that. You guys kind of had put in uh, your article that, you know, a good contract for him would be about four years, 45 mil at the $18 million guarantee mark. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I feel comfortable. Um, that's basically what Tavon Austin got. And maybe, you know, maybe that's, mm -hmm. you know, this is our second go around at that type of contract. Um, but I think he's definitely got better skills than you know what we can replace him with so it's it's a toss-up for me i could totally understand you know letting him go but for me it's like he just got here i'm just seeing him do some of those great things and that was what we would like to almost say on like a down season in a sense of catches and yards so just if you know everything could come together with sean mcveigh in his second year because that's another thing you have to remember is that was just year one right like how does this grow? You know, that's where it started. If it started there with eight touchdowns and, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, I think it was under 50 catches and, you know, where, where does it go from there for, from year two, three, and if we give them that deal and as golf matures. So those are the things that are sparking in my head. So it's, it's crazy football, you know, it goes to off season and people think like, all right, this thing just shuts down and we'll check back in in September. But this is the stuff that makes, you know, championships right here is, is figuring out where these guys go and for what dollar and who can stay and who can go. But yeah, that, those are my thoughts on those two guys. It's, it's tough, man. So let's, let's kind of say in the wide receiver mm -hmm. category uh, in the draft, I know I don't see the Rams, you know, maybe if they let them walk, maybe that's where they go with that first pick at 23. Is there anybody in, you know, the top three rounds that you see that, you know, might be that Cooper Cup of this year, that that underrated guy that, you know, maybe you can get it later rounds yeah, and maybe see, one that you would have to go get early um, but could be worth it. I I guess the one guy at 23 that I think is going to be very good that you would just, you know, have to take uh, in the first round would be uh, Cortland Sutton out of SMU. Now, he's a really big-bodied receiver. He kind of has the body type of a Sammy Watkins, but he, I think he's an inch taller and, like, maybe uh, 10 pounds heavier. Um, the combine is going to be huge for him because if he, if he can run into the mid five, uh, mid four fives, uh, that's 
around a similar time as Mike Evans ran a couple years ago. Um, I think he might be a lock for the top 15. So maybe Rams fans, you know, pray for a four, six. So, you know, maybe he'll fall there, but I think, um, his first year, <laughs> yeah. he may not be excellent, but I think in year two and three, after he develops a little bit better route running skills and he knows how to use his body uh, in the NFL, I think he can be a really good number one receiver. Um, as far as like second, third, fourth round, um, I really like this guy uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, he's First of all, he's a really, really good returner. And he also played the University of Washington, Dante Pettis. Um, I'm a huge fan of him. I think I yeah, think if you take him I'm in the big, third round, you I'm get a big really good fan value too. I like in that a special one. teams game because he's an instant starter, in my opinion, uh, at punt and kick returner. He, I think he has the record in the NCAA for uh, most punt returns scored in his career. Yeah, and he's just he's a really good route runner. He's very yeah, underrated. He got that last running. year, and he's very explosive in short areas. So like you know the crossing routes, short sticks, slants, uh, outs, like any of the short quick routes, he can get some separation, and he has very good hands. So I think uh, if you take him in the third round, you know pick eighty seven, something like that, you can probably get a really good number two or three receiver right away. And I think he can develop into a, you know, one, a one B type of receiver. I like that. Oh, nice. We, uh, I have some ties up at university of Washington. So my brother graduated there. So I still follow them pretty closely. So he was an explosive player, fun to watch. We do have Farrah Cooper in the return game, which everyone felt really good. He was a special, he was an all pro special teamer, but when it came to playoff time, he did have two turnovers that were huge, uh, I don't see them really yanking it away from him, but when you get a talent like that, it definitely starts to you know work in a competition, and and it's always good to have those speedster type of guys that you can throw back there uh, and return a punt, or like you said, in those those quick routes that you just get him the ball and let him do the rest of the work. He was fun to watch at University of Washington. Another one that I'm looking at here on the article that you guys put together. Uh, tell me about uh, Tate from Florida State. He seems like he's got some big size. Yeah, he's a huge receiver. Um, he didn't have the production that you would have hoped for, but that's also because I think, you know, due to part that DeAndre Francois, the starting quarterback at Florida State, was injured against Alabama in the first game. So he really he had a freshman quarterback the whole year. Right. Um, but he's really he's a really, really good red zone receiver. So like that he's I think a comparison is he's gonna be a poor man's Brandon Marshall at the beginning. He's gonna have to develop a little bit. He's really young, you know, he's only a junior, but um, if you give him a year or two, I keep saying this about these receivers, but a lot of these receivers, (laughs) you know, they're, they're developmental coming in because they don't really run that good of a route tree anymore. It's all goes and slants basically now. So I think if you give him a year to learn, um, he can be a really good red zone threat and, you know, golf can just throw jump balls to him every other play in the red zone if he wanted to, because he's got the jumping ability and he really high points the ball pretty well. Yeah. I mean, six, five, two twenty five. Those are numbers that you like to see in a wide receiver right. uh, in the red zone and uh, Sean McVay kind of watching him in the red zone. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, great all over the field but when he gets in that red zone I mean that was where Sammy Watkins really kind of made his bucks was in that red zone being able to utilize those you know short quick throws and you know Jared Goff started to use that fade a little bit so to have a guy that can go and get that would be would be huge and I guess this all depends on as we get to the draft 
you know, where we're at, what picks we truly have, who actually has been signed, what we're doing with these guys. I think Les Snead is finally getting into his groove of, um, you know, kind of getting comfortable on making trades and, and seeing some talent. One last thing I want to, one position I kind of want to touch on before we get out, out of here um, is the, the running back. Everyone, you know, thinks we're pretty set at running back because we have Todd Gurley, yeah. right? But we struggled as far as having him get a breather. I mean, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, Tavon Austin came in, uh, for running back for us at times. Uh, we shipped out Benny Cunningham last year. He went over to the Bears. Uh, he was a great um, you know, backup for us for a long time. We had Malcolm Brown, but he kind of struggled with injury. We went and uh, tried to add Lance Dunbar last year. But again, he had injury, missed a lot of games. Uh, is there anything in the draft that we could look at at running back that would be a solid uh, backup for Todd Gurley, maybe a third down back, someone to give him a breather? You are completely right on the running back uh, situation. You know, having Tavon Austin as your you know second string running back isn't the most ideal uh, situation in the NFL. But yeah, looking into the draft, this running back class is extremely deep. It might be one of the deepest in recent memory, to be honest with you. In our uh, ideal mock uh, off season, uh, we had the Rams trading up into round five to take Royce Freeman, the running back out of Oregon. Uh, he's more of like a straight line kind of power back. He's 5'11", 231 pounds. Um, he's like a, re- I don't know, He, I think he gets overlooked a little bit because he's a senior running back, a little bit older, and he you know, didn't have the best senior season, but he still produced at a high level in the Oregon offense. Um, he's a really good one-cut guy. He's physical at the point of attack. He can be your short yardage. Um, goal line, you know, kind of like a Garrett Blunt-ish type of running back. Not as tall as him, but, you know, the same similar style. Also, on like a third down running back, you could look at Iowa and uh, Akram Wadley. He's, you know, a slight back. He's about 5'10", 185, soaking wet. So, um, but he has really good shake. You can put him in the slot as well. Um, third down backs, just run swing passes, screens, you know, little... Uh, corner routes, anything like that, just one-on-one against a linebacker, I think he would win, you know, eight, nine out of ten matchups. So I think Royce Freeman um, could be another power back that you could add with Gurley, and Akram Wadley could be a nice, slight, uh, you know, versatile running back who gets you a lot of good plays in the passing game. Yeah, both both sound great because we could use kind of a bruiser to go up the middle and kind of continue to – you know, pound that run when Gurley's getting a breather. And we also saw how effective Gurley was coming out of the backfield this mm-hmm. year. And if you can kind of, you know, um, you know, duplicate that with somebody else and, you know, no matter who's on the field that they're going to have trouble matching up against the linebackers and, and those nice, easy throws for Jared Goff are what we like to see, you know, when he's early in his career, just, you know, taking care of the football and dumping it three, four yards and letting the other guys do the work. So, um, both those could be great for us. I think it's going to be um, kind of an overlooked portion of the draft for us because I think we're going to really need a running back unless we go out and get one in free agency. That's that's definitely a question mark for our team coming in this year. Who's going to be that backup guy? Because uh, we want to give Gurley, you know, that MVP caliber type um, opportunity as far as you know rushes and and whatnot. But at the same time, we we need to give him a breather because he did it all last year 
and we, you know, we took care of them as far as the amount of attempts we gave them earlier in the season. So we had them near the end, but um, it's going to make it a lot easier if we have someone that we can turn to and, and give a few reps. So um, I like both those guys. I'm excited to kind of get close to their draft and, you know, Eddie, I'd love to have you come back and talk, you know, maybe more stuff after the combine and tell us what else is going on real quick. Let them know uh, where they can find you uh, personally on Twitter and, and also where you're writing for. Yeah. Um, I definitely love to come back on first and foremost, the combine it's going to really have good movers and fallers um, for each position, obviously just based on the athletic numbers. But personally, you can find me at E Schwartner, uh, I know it's a really hard last name, so I'm going to spell it out for you. E-S-C-H-W-E-R-T-N-E-R. Um, and I also write for footballtalkdaily365.com. You can find us at FTD365 on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, just check out. We write a bunch of the NFL articles every offseason for every team. He's going to do some mock drafts, player of the week, prospect of the week, You know anything that maybe will interest you. Uh, we have it. So just give it a look. You won't regret it. Awesome, Eddie. I appreciate you coming on and giving us all that knowledge, dropping all the draft stuff for us. We will definitely loop back with you as things continue. Uh, that way we can figure out where we think the Rams are moving and shaking and, and who's dropping, who's who's rising, and, and what really is a chance for us to build to our team here. So everyone, go give Eddie a follow. I will um, – when I share this episode, I'll make sure to tag you in it so everyone can see where to follow you at. Um, but with that, man, we appreciate it. And uh, go Rams. Yeah, man. It was really fun. I appreciate it. All right, Rams Nation. That was my interview with Eddie Schwartner. I had a great time talking football with him. We'll have him back. Uh, he's got some great draft knowledge, uh, really in-depth to some of the players that are out there. The Combine is in full effect right now, so we actually have Austin Hall, who's going to be joining us tomorrow to talk more Combine, more draft prospects, a little bit about the Rams, where they could potentially move uh, in that draft, and who they might be looking to go after. So some really good information from these guys. I want to thank Eddie again from Football Talk Daily. Don't forget to follow him and his crew. Also, you can find me at LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter. You can hit me up if you want to shoot me a message at Gmail. That's LockedOnRams at gmail.com. And also on Twitter, don't forget LockedOnRams. So tag us in any articles you guys see out there in the interwebs. I want to read them. I want to comment on them. So uh, interact with me. That would be great. But Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.